The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, obviously you're going to have your ups and downs, and I think the last game in New York was really, really bad, and, you know, we needed a response, and, um, you know, we, we did have it tonight, but I think, you know, the next game against New York is going to be a big test for us too and how we respond against them. I think it's a good challenge, and um, in a way I think it, it can be good for us that we play them again so soon um, because, you know, we're fighting with them for the playoff spot, and that's a big game for us, and, um, you know, tonight was good, but... It doesn't mean anything if we can't respond again next game. Yeah, you preach it, Teddy Bluger. Penguins forward after that blowout win versus Detroit, following the blowout loss versus the Rangers. Now looking for the rebound effort that really matters tonight against New York. Tim Benz here for the Pittsburgh CityCast. Download the Bet Rivers app today or go to betrivers.com. No more football, no problem. Bet Rivers Sportsbook serves up tennis, soccer, hockey, college and pro basketball, and more. Don't miss out on Bet Rivers' many daily specials or try your hand at live player props or same-game parlays. No matter what you bet on, you can count on your withdrawal approval happening fast with more than 80% of withdrawals approved instantly at Bet Rivers. Get started with life after football with the Bet Rivers app presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Pens and Rangers tonight at PPG Paints Arena. Penguins at minus 167 as a favor tonight against the Rangers. I kind of like that. I think they'll win. We saw one game between these teams that was a virtual draw, one nothing Penguins victory. We saw the Rangers blow them out 5-1. I think this is a game the Penguins win perhaps with a little breathing room. Hey, give the puck line a shot at a goal and a half. It comes back at plus 148. 
I told you yesterday I'm leaning over at the six-goal total. The Rangers have been at six or more in each of their last three games. The Penguins have been at six or more in each of their last four. If you're looking at individual scores, Chris Kreider is at plus 135. He's got 44 on the season. Six goals in his last seven games. Two last time out against the Penguins. Evgeny Malkin has goals in four straight. He's at plus 155. Those might be wise bets there. If you want to swing big on him, like I mentioned, Kreider, two goals against the Pens last time. He's at plus 1050 this evening for a multi-goal game. Gino at plus 1150 coming off a hat trick. And if you're looking for something, anything to glean from the Penguins' nine-goal win against the Detroit Red Wings on Sunday, it's that the Penguins were quick to take a dog performance, flush it, and spin right around to shove some frustration down the throats of a lesser team. Emphasis on lesser. The Rangers and Pens are in a season-long drag-out battle for second place in the Metro. Entering Tuesday's game against each other, the Pens have 90 points. The Rangers have 89. Division leading Carolina has 95 Meanwhile, the Red Wings have only 60 points and have just won twice in their last 10 games. Regardless, head coach Mike Sullivan, appreciative of the Penguins' bounce-back effort, less than 48 hours removed from getting boat-raced at MSG. I was fairly confident we were going to have a spirited effort. You know, obviously we've got a proud group, and no one no one was really thrilled with, with you know, our last game. And... Uh, and knowing these guys the way I know them, I, I expected them to come out and play on their toes and, uh, and respond, so to speak. And why not? In the playoffs, a well-played 3-2 loss may feel like 5-1, and you don't need to respond in the following game with a nine-goal blowout. You just need to be better than the other team by one goal. That said, after Sunday's romp, the Penguins players also seemed aware that the blowout of Detroit substantially more fun, as Brian Russ characterized it, substantially more fun as it may have been, didn't take Friday's rotten defeat out of the loss column, nor does it mean much in terms of how they need to get ready for the Rangers tonight. And however tonight turns out, the Pens and Rangers will have one more chance to get a read on one another before the playoffs begin, and their seemingly inevitable first-round matchup takes place. Uh, the next game that they play each other, New York City on April the 7th. Let's get more of a read on tonight's game with Brian Metzer, the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. He joins us, as he always does once a week here in the Pittsburgh CityCast, fresh off of his debut as a color commentator on the Penguins broadcast because Josh Getzoff, play-by-play man, got sick. So Phil Bork, the former Penguin and longtime color commentator, decided to call the game while Getzoff had to leave the booth, and Metzer came in out of the bullpen to be the color guy. So Metz recapped that experience for us first here in the Pittsburgh CityCast. Yeah, that was uh, quite the the whirlwind experience on Sunday afternoon, Tim. I, I can't say I was anticipating it. Everything was going fine through a period and, and a half, give or take. And uh, all of a sudden, I started seeing people tweeting me saying, uh, Mets, you know, are you going to jump in the booth? Uh, Josh is not there. Borky's trying to make goal calls and everything else because it, apparently Josh had an issue towards the end of the second period there. I got up there for the intermission. He was back in the booth. He, he looked, you know, a little worse for wear, generally speaking, but he, he was going to try and give it a go. Well, then the old two-niner was screaming from his perch, Mets, 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 in the third. So I went up, and we finished the game. So, yeah, uh, you get thrown into it unexpectedly, and it worked out pretty well. Borky and I, you know, we do, we've do we done a lot of work together. So he, he handled the play-by-play. -play. I did some analysis and, and Keller commentary, as you said, and 
we got it taken care of, finished off the game, and then I made my mad dash down to the Lexus Club to do the postgame show. So uh, a, fun, a fun Sunday, even though it was crazy the way it all played out. Well, Mets, at least you had a calm, quiet game where it was only like 2-1 and 3-1 <laughs> with no goal calls for Borky to worry about. <laughs> yeah, and, well, the ironic thing is, even with all of those issues popping up, I think Josh called all but two Penguin goals and just a couple of the Red Wings goals. So Borky had to do two goals at the end of the second period. And then uh, I think we were both sitting up there for the, the Raquel goal uh, at the end of the third. So it worked out in that way that Josh still got to do most of the heavy lifting. And um, yeah, like you said, it, it was fun that it was that kind of game and it was a little bit out of hand late too. So there we could kind of just banter and Borky called the action and we had some fun as the third period expired in what was a historic uh, afternoon for the Penguins. They came close to setting a franchise or tying a franchise mark with the goals. I think 12 is the home ice record. They did it against the Washington Caps in 75 and then again against the Maple Leafs in the early 90s. So it's not rare. It's not often you see 11 or 12 goals scored in the game. What was wrong with Josh? Was the salmon downstairs bad? I mean, I'm glad I avoided it then. Yeah, you know, um, he he's thinking that maybe he had a food poisoning issue. He did not dine at the arena, though, ah, so good to uh, know. we're not sure, yeah, what set him off. But uh, it just set in unexpectedly in the second period, and, you know, he had to make a mad dash there, and um, then he wasn't able to continue. So I, I'm not sure exactly what the cause was. Um, he does have a little one at home. I asked him if maybe it could have been something from, from Gunner, his, his, uh, new, new baby. That's, uh, actually over a year old now, but he said, no, the baby's fine. Everyone was fine. It just kicked in on him. And maybe he was hanging out with Gino who was a late scratch a couple games ago, uh, with a, with some sort of ailment that kept him out with a non COVID related sickness. Speaking of Gunner, did Borky morph into Bob Prince play by play of hockey? They got it. We got it. They got it. We got it. He did. It was it was remarkable, Tim. He he was uh, uh, our own Penguins version of the old Gunner. Uh, he he did a great job, and I from what I understand, he he didn't have his best goal call available for the the Raquel goal, but he did have one on tap for Sid's goal late in the second period. So as Borky joked, he said he's often told the Hall of Famer Mike Lang and Getzoff over the years that he has one goal call ready to go, and he got to use it. And then uh, we were we were kind of waiting to see what was going to happen as more goals were scored. Was it the razzle-dazzle? It wasn't a razzle-dazzle, unfortunately. I, I think it was uh, uh, like one of those bingo-bango-boingo type situations that we've heard <laughs> we've heard Borky use on the broadcast from time to time. It was, it was good stuff, though. Did you have to fight him to do play-by-play, -play and did he win? I mean, was it your choice to do color? How did you guys arrive at that snap decision? Well, the way... Um, you know, our transition happened. Play had the puck had just dropped after a break. So Borky started doing the play by play. And then we just kind of settled into those roles. So him being the more seasoned vet working the actual in game action, he slid into the shoes of gets off. And I slid into those, those big two niner shoes, which worked out pretty well. Um, and the biggest problem for us was I think he's so used to doing the analysis that he was doing the, the play by play. And then I didn't want to step on him at all. So we were kind of at the beginning moments of that working out, just trying not to step on one another. But then we found our groove uh, in the last five, six minutes of play. And then we did the post-game wrap-up. But it, it just worked out that Borky was the uh, 
the the seasoned vet sliding into the play-by-play role, and then I just did the analysis, so it worked out. He got to get the promotion himself, and I uh, did, you know, by all accounts, a, a fine job. He he did a better job doing that than a lot of people would have been able to. I was chuckling occasionally during play. He threw his binocs up to get a better look at the action as he was calling it. So he had binoculars going. He had his uh, his sheets up and his screen up, and then I had my stuff, which most of my stuff was down in my press box seat, Tim. Because the way it happened, I just kind of dashed up there with my computer, and I didn't have my notes from the game. I didn't have anything else, so he even had to give me a pen. Well, you know, Mets, <laughs> I mean, I was just down the row. It's only been a year since Robert Morris folded the program. My skills aren't that rusty. I mean, if you really needed somebody else, you could have come tap me on the shoulder, too, if you needed a third man in the booth or something. Yeah, the next time, we know we have uh, we have some folks available. Yourself, Pursuta was down there as well, your partner, when you do the Robert Morris games. Maybe you guys could have just jumped in. Uh, and handled Hathorne business. was there. Uh, Josh Roundtree was there. Those guys have That's done play true. by play. So yeah, yeah. All the PV, all the PVP guys were there. So uh, it was fun. Um, you know, it, it was it was a neat experience. Uh, I'm, if I ever had to do it again, I I would hope that we would have a little more prep and we would be ready yeah. for it. But uh, yeah, you, you never know. And that's the good thing about our crew, though, Tim. Our Pens Radio group very tight knit. Um, it's kind of a one for all, all for one mentality. Even when Mikey was there and. Uh, that's just how we operate. So from, you know, myself to Borky to Josh, uh, we, we had, uh, the Boylan family that does so much engineering in the city. It was, uh, Cindy's son, Sam was in there helping us out that day. So no Cindy, but he was, he was on the, on the task. He switched the headsets really quick because not to be mean or anything. I didn't want to use Josh's. Yeah. You might end up puking during the middle of the game yourself. See yeah, how so he switched contagious this crap is that he might've had, you know? Yeah, he he made the quick change and and everything worked out. And then um, it was you know they kicked off the post game and I I made it down there in time for the first segment too after doing the wrap up. So it worked out. I've been in that situation twice where I felt like I've had to throw up on the air and there is nothing worse in the world. It is just so awful. Yeah, you're probably getting your mouth watering and all of that kind of nastiness while you're trying there's, to. There's speak. only yeah, there's only so much reverse peristalsis you can fight off. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And I've heard stories, though, too, of guys dealing with emergencies the other way huh. uh, and, you know, where you're not, you know, you're not having a, a coming up and out that way. But no, uh, so I Jeff, think, Jeff Daniels and Dumb and Dumber situation. Yeah. And um, I think I think it was and we joked about it yesterday. We didn't say it on the air, but Staggy told us a story once where he he kind of wishes he had a diaper on. He had to let he had to let loose on the air and then uh, handled it afterwards. I was like, wow, I don't know that I'd go to that extreme. But, hey. Whenever it's your craft, I guess you do what you got to do. Yeah, emphasis on the FT in that last word that you used there. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, it was it, what a day, what a day. And then well, you know one thing. The- yeah, one thing you got to be careful of in your situation, you and Borky for that game specifically, is you actually had to keep an eye on the goalies going back and forth, in and out. Yeah, and it, that's uh, not because- something you have to normally be aware of in a hockey game. The goalie is the goalie. Yeah, it doesn't change all that often. And you had you know Detroit and what's Two times now in a week, the Penguins had it happen once, and now Detroit had to do it, where the starter was yanked and then had to go back in whenever a guy left due to injury because we saw it with Casey DeSmith and, and Tristan Jari a couple games back. And then here we go uh, in this Detroit game. Nadelkovich was starting in back-to-back days, which I don't even know why they did that to the poor guy. Two afternoon games to boot. Uh, he starts getting lit up. Cal Picard, or Pickard comes in. He starts getting lit up and then gets hurt. And then Nadelkovich had to come back in. So, yeah, that was a little bit confusing for me at the end to the point where 
as the transition was happening, Tim, for myself, I almost didn't realize that he was back in the game as we're doing the call. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That's the other guy again. So you're right. It, it was a bit of a revolving door for the goaltenders. One thing I worry about coming out of that game, Brian, and again, Brian Metzer is our guest from the Penguins Radio Network, is not so much, okay, they scored too many goals. They got to save some for the next game. It doesn't work that way. We all know that. But, you know, some people say that. I'm less worried about that. I'm more worried about, you know, do they get into some bad habits after seeing so many pucks go in? I mean, maybe for a guy like Kasperi Kapanen, it's a good thing. For a guy like a Brian Boyle, yeah, it's a reward thing. Um, some of the other guys where it's kind of in between how often they score, I, just, I don't want them to think it comes that easily because the goaltending was uh, less than desirable for the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Um, they, they did not have their A game by any means. Uh, and, and you just simply do not see 11 goals scored in a hockey game unless the other goaltenders are not playing well. And, and what was interesting was when you see that kind of total, you assume that the, the team scoring 11 rolled up something like 50, 60 shots in the game. Penguins only had 35 shots, which really made that stand out. Uh, so the Detroit goaltenders were not good. And to your point, I, for me, I'm not so much worried about the bad habits offensively or guys thinking it'll come easy just because I'm hoping it will get guys like Kapanen, Danton Heinen, Boyle, uh, et cetera, going a little bit because they had been struggling in secondary scoring a little bit over the past couple of weeks here, relying so heavily on Crosby, Malkin, uh, Rust, and Gensel, but that they let the defensive uh, assignments slip a little. And I think that it's kind of, you know, we've all played deck hockey, and you know when your team's starting to light it up, and, and this is any level of hockey in my view, you're feeling like, okay, we're feeling really good offensively, and you all start taking chances to start scoring goals. Well, the next thing you know, you're leaving your goaltender out the drive for the one chance going the other way. And we saw that a handful of times yesterday. Uh, in the second period at the beginning, we only had a two nothing lead and you saw Dylan Larkin have a uh, steal a puck and get a great scoring opportunity. They could have made that game two to one, if not for Jari's effort. And I thought Tristan Jari to make some really nice saves in the game. And I hope that they're prepared for that transition style attack, because that's what burned them against the Rangers the other night. And if they're feeling too good offensively, they all kind of get on that rush and you start leaving your goaltender out, out to dry in those transition plays going back with odd man rushes, et cetera. So hopefully we don't have too many of that going on on uh, Tuesday night against the Rangers. Even shorthanded there too, Mets. Yeah, uh, there was every every situation was happening. You had those shorthanded chances, uh, and the Penguins' power play was again letting them go the other direction, which you don't want to have happen. So that's what kind of scares me uh, coming out of that game is just that they would be a little too focused on the offensive side of the game after scoring eleven. And um, you got a pretty quality goaltender waiting in the wings here, too, that you're going to go up against, as I assume it will be Shesterkin again. Shesterkin hadn't been playing great before the Penguins game, but then just allowed one goal against the Pens. He only allowed one goal the first time, and the Pens just happened to win one nothing. Uh, what do you expect, Mets, when it comes to this game, both in terms of win and loss and also in terms of style and pace I, I think it's a six goal game at least on the bet rivers over under last time i checked uh where do you see this going in terms of a goal total and uh, who do you like in this one I, I think the penguins being on home ice coming off that effective win against detroit are going to be much more prepared for the rangers they played them so well in that one to nothing win in pittsburgh just a few weeks ago when you jump back to well Boy, when was that now? I'm trying to look back on their calendar to see exactly where it fell. It was on February 26th. I 
feel like it was more recent yeah, than that because we were so we were so impressed by the way they played. I think it will be. I, I don't know that it ends up being a six goal game, so maybe the under looks good just based on the way Jari has been playing on home ice. Uh, assuming he's in there and Shesterkin because he's rounding back into form. The Rangers though look like after the embarrassing loss to the Devils right out of the trade deadline, which I think the Penguins reap the the I guess de- detriment of because the Rangers were so ready for the Penguins to kind of bounce back. They were being critics criticized for the acquisitions they made. How are they going to fit all these faces into their lineup? So they came out ready for the Pens last Friday. Uh, I, I think that there is a potential for some goals to be scored just based on the fact that the the Rangers are so much deeper now uh, with the faces they brought in. I mean, Frank Vitrano has four goals since he joined them, which it was a weird, a weird trade, Tim. You don't often see two top teams in the same conference flop a player like that. But Vitrano goes from the Panthers to them, scored 18, uh, scored two goals in 18 seconds on Sunday scored against the Penguins Friday, and then he had a goal in his first game for them as well. So that's a guy that's given them another another scorer in their top six. So you could maybe see this kind of crack open and come close to that six number, but I still like the, I still like the under, I think. Rangers on the puck line, minus 182 at a goal and a half. The Penguins at plus 150 at minus a goal and a half. The uh, straight-up win total, plus 135 for the Rangers. Road underdog, the Pirate, excuse me, the Penguins. Uh, the Pirates are never going to be favorite at home. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> the Penguins minus 159 straight up in this one, and the uh, over-under split is nearly even. Just slightly, very slightly more narrow odds on the over-total of six at minus 107 and 110 for the under. So, Mets, uh, I look at this game against the Rangers, and my sense is, okay, we've seen a Razor's Edge one nothing game. We've seen a blowout in favor of the Rangers. I don't see a blowout coming, but maybe this is a game where the Pens can win uh, at least with an empty net or two at the end, something like that. Yeah, I like that assessment, Tim, and I think that the way, you know, you get, we got to remember, Evgeny Malkin didn't play that Rangers game. He came out late. That kind of threw them into, um, tatters in terms of their lineup they only address seven defensemen i was a little shocked that they didn't have an extra forward along for the ride in some capacity or, or you could have got somebody from wilkes there they knew at lunchtime that gino might not play but they did not uh, make any move until the following day so no gino they played with seven defensemen you get in a situation where the last uh, couple players in the lineup didn't get many minutes mark friedman was serving as the the last forwards, Zahorna didn't get a ton of minutes. I think he finished with just uh, under seven or eight minutes, something like that. So this time around, you have Raquel now on the Geno line. They look pretty good on Sunday. Sid's line rolling along. I think with the the depth, even on the Penguins side, they come out on top in this one. I, I really like that as a play for people to say, take the Pens on home ice. And I'll feel a lot stronger about that if they go out and uh, score first in the game because doing so – they have found a way to win now 29 times this season when they score first, if I'm not mistaken. That's a good nugget to have, especially when it comes to scoring the first goal odds. You can always play those at Bet Rivers as well. Mets, yeah. let's um, move forward to the lineup itself in the forward position and where you see the wingers being deployed, uh, particularly on Malkin's line. Does he keep getting Brian Rust, or when Jason Zucker comes back, do they try to put Raquel on the right side and have Zucker on the left? Uh, that's what I think might happen just because Zucker has had some experience with Gino and he looked pretty good. I mean, unfortunately, right before he went out with his last injury again, 
He got the chance with Gino. It was in the Vegas game, which was essentially a hometown game for Zucker. He scores two goals on the line and looked, you know, pretty darn good. Then he goes out with his uh, core injury. So uh, I, I do think Mike Sullivan will try to do that and maybe flip Raquel over to the other side on Gino's line. What's interesting, though, is he used him a couple times with Sidney Crosby over the last week here since he's arrived. And wouldn't that just set everybody off? Uh, in terms of the Boo Birds in Pittsburgh, when they get angry, where every time they bring in somebody that's maybe going to play with Gino, they end up with Sid and they shuffle some things around. And the fact that Rust looked like he was starting to settle in with Gino, that gives you another option there. But for right now, I do think you'll see uh, Brian Rust probably play on that line for the time being. Uh, and then when Zucker gets back, I, I do expect some sort of experiment where Raquel flips over. Yes, he played most of his time in Anaheim on the left, but we were told and, and things I've read and heard and seen over the years, he is capable of playing on the other wing. Now, this to my, you know, the way I'm looking at it, it's not like flipping Jerome Aginla over. I think he has a little bit more of a comfort level. And when you look at the way Raquel plays his game, Tim, He's a good two-way player. He's good defensively. He's not just a strict offensive player. And I think guys like that have a better feel for playing all over the rink. Uh, you know, and I believe he's but he's a right-handed shot, so it doesn't screw him up too, too much moving to that side, in my view. I, I kind of think it will work, at least in the short term, and it gives you a pretty formidable top six. And if it doesn't, then you flip right back to moving him onto the left, even if you keep Rust, and you can put Zucker with Jeff Carter on a third line if you had to. Does Mike Sullivan believe as much as the way he was selling after the game against Detroit his sense of how good Brian Russ can be on the penalty kill? In other words, was he overhyping that a little bit, or does he honestly believe that Rust is still that good killing penalties, even though he hasn't done it as much for as recently because they've had guys like Zach Aston Reese who could do the job, and they haven't had to load the minutes on top of Russ to do it? Yeah, um, it's probably something to keep an eye on moving forward. And, and I don't think he was trying to oversell it so much as just, you know, let people know that Brian Rust is capable of it. It's something he used to do more of back in the day. And the good news is if he can, you know, fall right back in step with being a good part of the PK, he's going to be capable of maybe getting some things done in terms of getting some shorthanded scoring opportunities because he has the speed. He's got the, the stick ability in terms of uh, the hands etc to get in alone on breakaways if he picks off passes and all of those kinds of things so I, I think it's at least another player that could participate in that regard and do a pretty decent job for them if not this at least buys them time to figure out if you wanted to try Zahorna in that role or a couple of the other guys that are mixed into the bottom six and of, of course as soon as Brock McGinn gets back it's going to be he and Teddy Bluger as your top two forwards killing penalties in my view it's just a matter of getting that arm injury together and getting him back in the lineup, which I don't know how significant that is. We all kind of got a, a look behind the curtain on it because when they were doing their presentation of the Warrior helmet one night right after McGinn did leave hurt, you could see it looked like a cast on his arm. So hopefully it's nothing too, too bad that's going to keep him out the rest of the way or anything like that. Brian Metzer with us from the Penguins Radio Network. Metz, are the Boston Bruins just hot right now or are they a threat? I feel like they're always a threat once they get to get themselves to the playoffs. Uh, they're getting some quality goaltending now from Swayman specifically. He's kind of, you know, taken over the job as the number one there. Linus Olmark's still there uh, available to play games. And we all know what he's capable of from his days behind a very bad Buffalo team. But 
They kept Jake DeBrusque after they signed him into an extension. It looked like they were going to move him at the trade deadline, but he started to heat up. It was almost Kapanen-esque. He scored more than Cappy has lately, but they kind of looked at it and said, well, they didn't get the offer they wanted, and he's a guy that could really help them in terms of depth scoring because they used to rely so much on the um, that top line you know, with Bergeron and Marchand. Bergeron was out of the lineup for a while. He's back. Pasternak has been outstanding since January, so they're on fire. And what really seems to have helped them is bringing in Hampus Lindholm from the Ducks. The Ducks kind of fed all these Eastern Conference teams. You know, obviously we see Raquel coming here. Lindholm went right to the top pair of the Bruins. He's playing with McAvoy, if I'm not mistaken, and that really has looked good and a small sample size so far. So they defend well, as they always have been able to do. They can score goals from up and down their lineup. Everybody kind of forgets that Taylor Hall is still there. Uh, and and uh, Curtis Lazar, who they brought in last year, can chip in timely goals as needed. And I think they kind of are rounding into form at the right time of the season. And if I'm a division winner, I don't want to see the Boston Bruins as a wild card. But you might not have to because they've now found a way to get themselves into the conversation in that Atlantic division. I know they slipped out again now with Toronto jumping or they're tied in points with yeah. 87 at the time of our conversation. Boston was in third as of yesterday and fell back out. So they're going to leapfrog each other. But Washington and Boston, Tim, playing either Carolina or Florida or whoever wins these divisions, that's going to send a really good hockey team home early if it's the division winner or the wild card team. The entire East is a murderer's row. Uh, underscoring that, the Rangers at plus 2,100 to win the Cup uh, with the Capitals at plus 2,300. They're the seventh and eighth teams in terms of odds right now. Pretty good gap between the Pens and Bruins and those teams. You see some Western clubs in between the Knights at plus 1,800 and the Blues at plus 2,000, the Wild at plus 2,000 with Flurry there. Hey, speaking of that, Flurry, like, what are they going to do? Are they going to keep flip-flopping him and Talbot? Is this going to be just another version of him and Laner or what? You know what? I think we did we – I think we joked about it last week, Tim. It doesn't have the same ring if they would win a cup with those two names going like the Murray Flurry chant. I think Mark Andre Flurry was brought in to be more the starter for that team. Bill Guerin knows that he won a cup with him here in Pittsburgh back in 2009. Talbot has been fine all season long, but they clearly just did not have a belief that he was the guy to win with because why would you go out and give up what they gave up to get Mark Andre Fleury otherwise? So I think Fleury eventually takes over as the starter. But the bad news for him is Talbot has been good enough to cause a controversy there yet again. And every time Flurry gets into one of these situations or a new team, why is he always in one of these weird tandems? I mean, he can't ever just be looked at as the guy going in. So uh, I would like to think he'd be the starter, but I guess you can't be part of Mark Andre Flurry's legacy without having somebody nipping at his heels in terms of trying to take the job from him. Guys like Martin Garon, uh, there were few and far between Mets. What can we say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you recall back in the day, too, uh, when Flurry went out with his high ankle sprain, people were looking at uh, Ty Conklin as the guy that would take over as the Penguins' starting goaltender. Lucky for them, right before his uh, you know chariot turned back into a pumpkin, Flurry was ready to come back because his game had really slipped, but people didn't seem to realize it at the time. I do remember those days. Conklin was the guy between the pipes of the Winter Classic, wasn't he? Yeah, because uh, Fleury got hurt just ahead of that, and Conklin had to play um, in that game against the Buffalo Sabres. And he had the distinction at that time 
of playing in almost every outdoor game because he right. was in the first yes. Heritage practice, yes. yeah, the, the Heritage game for Edmonton. He played for the Penguins, and then the next time, the I think he went to was it Boston? Maybe Boston, they were in the yeah. next, and he was there as the starter. So he started the first three or four outdoor games in the NHL. Brian Metzer, the Penguins Radio Network. What happens if Tampa flips divisions? Well, it, the scary thing is, it's not out of the question. I mean, you well, have the, the Hurricanes and the Lightning hate each other. I mean, that would be a blood feud for a first round game. I would think you're right about that. It's just a matter of who's going to finish, you know, at in the top spot or in the second spot in the conference, Tim. Because even Florida and Carolina right now are separated by one point. Yeah, it's amazing how tight all this is. I mean, it's going to be so hard to truly predict the the seeds and, and who's playing who until probably the last week of the season, and maybe not even then because of the way the games are stacked up. I mean, the Penguins could feasibly, I mean, on paper anyway, I know Carolina has a couple games in hand. They could catch them and win the division. The Rangers maybe could do that as well. They're only four points back. On the other end, Tampa could fall into the wild card position with Toronto and Boston being at 87 and them at 88. So it's so hard to predict, and I wouldn't want to see the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion as a wild card team coming after my division champ if I was a fan base in one of those markets. Mets, thanks as always. Before we go, did you hear what the Foo Fighters are doing yet? Now they canceled the entire rest of the tour, or what are they doing in the wake of Taylor Hawkins' death? Uh, unfortunately, uh, I didn't hear anything as of yet. I'm, I'm assuming we'll hear something soon. I know they were slated to play the Grammy Awards next week which is bad news for them because that's a huge stage to perform on. And now with uh, Taylor Hawkins leaving us, they're not going to be able to do that. I'm curious to see if they have some sort of tribute to them. Will somebody come out and play a Foo Fighters song? Will maybe Dave Grohl show up and try and play an acoustic song, something like that. But I haven't heard any status on the tour. And we know um, they were due here, what, in May. So uh, they haven't said what's going to happen yet. I was talking to a couple of people just that are big fans, which just about everybody we know is a big fan. They um, there's some people speculating that, you know, will they even continue as a band? I think they will. Dave Grohl can't sit still for a minute, so it's going to take some time to heal. But I would anticipate he would go out and find himself a new drummer to to pick up the pieces and try and get back out there, because that's probably what Taylor Hawkins would want him to do. I don't think he's just going to hang it up based on on this. But you never know, because they've been friends for quite a long time. He was in the band since 1994. And that's just a significant loss for any band. But. Uh, you can make the case, and I know uh, you, we were talking about this here at home a couple of days ago too. The Rolling Stones went on without, without Charlie Watts, so when you see something like that happen, I think Dave Grohl might be able to find another drummer to move on with as well. But no, no news as of yet. And if I see anything, I'll send it your way. And I know you'll do the same for me. He wouldn't go back and drum and have somebody else sing, would he? I don't think so. Um, but then there's always the chance that he he's talented enough that. Could he be Phil Collins, Tim? Could he drum and sing? I think his his band is probably a little too high energy to do that. Yeah, there's too much so rock I don't and think roll there. He wouldn't be able to, but, I mean, we didn't, you know, it was intriguing to see him play from the throne a couple of years ago with his broken leg. I know that was just guitar and, and singing, so it's different to drum. But I, I think he, if he did that, I don't think he would get another singer. I mean, a lot of those songs, they – they're too, they're too much in the voice of Dave Grohl. There was a very cool, um, you know, I know that you got a chance to catch Mammoth the other week uh, when they were here in town with, with Wolfgang Van Halen. He, he and his band just did My Hero as a tribute to Taylor Hawkins the other night. It sounded wonderful. If you haven't heard, got a chance to check that out, do so. Because Wolfgang being so talented sounds great singing the song. 
playing the song, etc. Maybe they could get Wolfgang Van Halen to sing for Foo Fighters. When did you say that the Grammys are? Uh, April 3rd, I think. What are the odds of somebody slapping somebody at the Grammys? I will say uh, minus money, minus 250, it's going to happen. What do you say? <laughs> There's no I'm, way I, that show comes off without somebody slapping somebody. I could see somebody doing it as a, as a gag now just to make light of it and, and do it on purpose just to you know compete with what we witnessed on Sunday evening, which, boy, uh, I think that I didn't have it on live. I was watching some other stuff. I, I have some DVR shows that I was watching when I got home from the Penguins game, but I saw Twitter blowing up. So I had to flip over and look for the, for the footage and to see Will Smith just go up and slap essentially a comedian for making a joke on stage was shocking. Uh, and then they gave him a trophy for it afterwards. And, and he was dancing and happy at a post party. Uh, so uh, I guess that's where we are in the world now. You don't like something set, that somebody says. You don't just cancel them online. Right. You can just go up and punch them in the face. It was it was more staged than some of the hockey fights in the 80s. <laughs> it still was just funny to see it happen. And, and to your point, I would not be shocked if somebody does something like that at the Grammys just to to make light of it and to keep it in the public eye a little bit longer. And remember where you heard it first, Mets. Guarantee next year's Oscar hosts, Chris Rock and Will Smith together. You watch. You watch. As soon as you see odds go public on that, you know, when the lines come out, let me know because I'm going to put some money down on your recommendation. I think that's something that could happen. Mets, best of luck in your color commentating career. Thanks, Tim. I think I'm one and done, but you never know. I mean, sicknesses linger, and uh, Mets is eternal. I've been with the Penguins Radio Network since 2012, and I'm always the – every time somebody counts Mets out, I become king of the underdogs and find a way to crawl back into the public spotlight. So I'm I'm looking for my next next endeavor as a Keller commentator. But as I said, I think I'm one and done. You're going to Zach cough this thing, you think, maybe – Maybe two and done if gets off isn't ready for the Ranger game, potentially. <laughs> well, based on what happened to Zach Hoff in game two, I certainly hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. All right, so thanks to Mets. And, yeah, let's see if Mets gets back in the booth again sometime soon, aside from intermissions and postgame, where he is excellent, by the way. How about that game last night between Carolina and Washington? Boy, I misread that one. I got in late on the over to even things out for myself, and I'm glad I did because I – Misled you guys yesterday publicly. I said take the Caps. They were playing better at the time coming in, but the Canes smoked them 6-1. There was a fight between Tom Wilson and Brendan Smith just a month after Smith had a fractured skull, too. That's after Wilson took out Vince Trocek with a big check, the Pittsburgh native. Sebastian Ajo had a beautiful shorthanded goal, but center Jesperi Kokaniemi was injured on a hit with 1.8 seconds left from Lars Eller. That went over very poorly with the Canes. They were pissed about it. So the Pens lose ground in the standings, but the Canes suffer what could be an injury of some significance. Now, five points they're cushioned in front of the Penguins, depending on what happens tonight. Uh, they've got a game tonight as well. We'll talk about that in a bit. But the Canes, they had been struggling. Now, all of a sudden, they've won three of four, having beaten the Blues, Caps, and Lightning in the process. They have a one-point lead on Florida for the top spot in the East. The Panthers play tonight as well. The Canes have themselves another bloodlust rematch this evening as they take on the Tampa Bay Lightning as minus 141 underdogs. I like the Lightning here as pissed as they were after that road loss in Carolina a few days ago. They are rested. The Hurricanes spent a lot of energy whipping the caps last night, and they had to travel. Go Bolts on this one. Meanwhile, if you're looking for a late game to play tonight, how about the big one out west, Colorado and Calgary? 
The Avs have the highest point total in the league with 98. The Flames best in the Pacific with 88, second most in the West. They're a minus 127 tonight at plus 180 on the puck line. They've won three of four with every game getting to six or more. The Avs have won five of seven, but have lost two of three with both of those losses staying under. Man, this is a tough one. If I bet for entertainment purposes only, I'll lean Flames just because they've been so good for me this year, and I'll go small on the money line and leave the total alone. Maybe I lean over there, but there are other games where I think you can find a honeypot that we'll talk about in a second. Meanwhile, the Leafs and Bruins, that's a great matchup too with Toronto at plus 117 as a road underdog. If you wanted to run a parlay, here's four legs that you can combine, however. Like I said, these are sweeter landing spots on the NHL schedule tonight. If you want to run a parlay, I'd start early in the East. Florida hosting Montreal. It's minus 385 straight up. But hey, you could go puck line on this one at minus one and a half if you like. I still think the money is there to be made even at minus 162. That could be worth the difference, though, than the straight up play. Then spin that with any one of the following games. Minnesota at minus 286 against the awful Flyers. Maybe one and a half in the puck line there, too. Dallas at minus 167 at Anaheim straight up. And then you have Nashville against the Senators at minus 215 straight up and plus 107 on the puck line. If you were to go puck line on the first two, Florida and the Wild, then money line on Nashville and Dallas, 100 bucks comes back at 590 If you go money line on all four, 100 bucks gets you 300 back. So maybe that's the smart play to make there. Or just go individually on those games, and I still like your chances of turning a tidy little profit. All right, that'll do it for the Pittsburgh CityCast today. Uh, We'll be back with you on Thursday. Mike Pursuit is still to come this week as we look at the Final Four. Mild movement in the line in the Duke game. Now four-point favorites as opposed to four-and-a-half. Kansas holding steady at four-and-a-half over Villanova. And the number sliding more and more towards Duke as the favorite on the futures to win the whole thing at plus 35 with Kansas at plus 200, Villanova plus 500, and North Carolina at 550. But we'll dive into that more with Mike on Thursday, and we'll have plenty of football talk on Friday as well. Mike, into that with Pursuit of Two. But lots to come here in the rest of the week here in the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to betrivers.com.